Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the Executive Director, and I am just so excited today to be here with a friend, a colleague, a partner in this work. Her name is Tracy Schreifels. He is the Executive Director of the Ellison Center in St. Cloud, Minnesota. He's also a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she also is infant and early childhood mental health endorsed. He does a lot of work in the state of Minnesota in various capacities to further um, understanding of the importance of young children and their mental health and also supporting those who care and serve young children. And Tracy, I'm so happy to have you here. Priscilla, it is great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure to talk with you today because we we were um, at an event together and we were chatting just about mental health stuff because as people do. <laughs> and we were discussing the fact that although the pandemic has gone through many phases and many times we sometimes forget and we think, oh, it's totally over. The effects of the pandemic and that long-term um, outcome and connection to children and families are still lingering on. And so today, Tracy, we're going to talk a little bit about how that looks in kids and families, and especially for all of you out there, our listeners, what we can do to kind of help people process that, because often people haven't processed that. So so thinking back to that whole thing of the pandemic and what was it like, I mean, let's just revisit that for a minute. Right. So Priscilla, I was recently met with the reflective group in person, and this came just we walked into the room and all of the tables were spread apart and that everybody was at at least a six foot separation. And this was just recently. And the professionals that came into the room, you could tell that they just had this like initial reaction to it, that they were uncomfortable. And I actually named, I'm like, Oh, look at the social distancing in here and notice how our bodies are feeling with the reminder of what this has meant. Yes. And, um, like that's one of those signs that our world has changed and how we see things is different. Like this was just set up as a conference room. That was how it was set up, but we interpreted it as the social distancing mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And to mm-hmm. watch the body language of those entering in and you as a professional who does that all day long, you were able to notice that as that facilitator and that lead in that setting and call it out and kind of bring it forward. But so often, there may not be someone available to be able to decipher all that in a setting when something, when those reactions are so clear. Right. And sometimes, um, sometimes it's also kind of this idea about bringing the invisible and making it visible. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes even just slowing ourselves down to be like, what is happening in my body? And what am I noticing? And what might that make? Like, when else have I felt this? Mm, yeah. And- or where, where do I remember this type of feeling starting? Those can be kind of those signs of how different life has been since we've had lived through a pandemic. Right. And that's just one little example. There's lots of them out there right. of, of these reminders that exist that we now just have as a part of our normal life. 
um, but are signs that we actually haven't processed what happened. Mm-hmm. So related to that too, is just our bodies and trauma and how that is all held and, and your comment, just, you know, we, how we haven't processed it. What are some things that you can highlight for our listeners about the way that our body holds that experience and how, you know, not that it's going to ooze out somewhere, but it's kind of interesting to think about what happens with that trauma when it's held in our bodies as we go forward. So trauma is can be defined in many different ways. And I think one of the experiences in some of what I've been doing about reading from the pandemic, um, like what we've learned from it, mm-hmm. one of the things that they talk about is that trauma can be understood as almost like a, a rupture in our meaning making or the way that we see ourselves or the world around us. And so when you think of that as a global experience, we've had a what they call a collective trauma. Many of us have experienced the same thing. Um, there, we, were, we were shocked. Things were overturned. There was lots of confusion. There was a lot of fear. And so it is, it is safe to say that we have lived through a significant trauma through this. It might not be the same as living through war or something like that, but it, it still has changed us in many ways. And our bodies are actually the place where all of that trauma and all of that um, experience gets stored. Our sensory systems are designed to take in those potentially hazardous or dangerous um, messages that we might receive from the from the, the world around us to help us decipher, am I safe right now or not safe? Because the job of our sensory system is to help identify if we're in danger to do something about it. So it's constantly seeking information to see if we're safe or not safe. Yeah. And I noticed that for myself, even out in the world, when you hear someone coughing near you and you, your body just, it's on alert and you think, okay, are they close enough? Did that cough come my direction? Where, where are they facing? And it's just this, you don't even realize you're doing it until because I noticed, you know, because of the work we do, I'm noticing what my body is telling me and how different I feel in that moment. And that yes. would, that would seems like that would be an example of kind of that our my body is is still there in that yeah. pandemic feeling when that happens. Yes. Yes, that is a new memory that your body has stored in it. Mm-hmm to say, I should watch out for this, or this is a potential danger or threat um, that we didn't have prior to the pandemic. We might have been like, oh, I don't want to get sick. Right. But there wasn't necessarily like that person coughing could kill me, yes. which is what happened during the pandemic. Like, especially at the beginning, it was like, that is literally dangerous. and We don't know the impact it could have. Yeah. And so it created almost like this invisible enemy um, that we couldn't name or see. Um and so, right, like we are noticing those different things. I also noticed the other day I was um, watching an episode from um, a TV show that I enjoy watching. And it was like, you could tell when they switched to the pandemic season and everybody was wearing masks and there was, it was a medical show. And so there was the end of the narrative around it. And I had this internal reaction to it. And I was like, oh, this is unprocessed. Like when our bodies have that stirred up reaction to something like that, it's a sign that there is this unprocessed experience that it's trying to communicate to us to say, make sense of this for me. So I know if we're in danger or not. Hmm. When you think of us as adults, we have the ability to do a lot more of that processing and making sense of things than young children do. 
However, those experiences are still being had by the young children we know and love and care for. So what can we do in those situations to to help with that processing? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Um, I think, as especially as we think about children, I think we have to think about what that experience was like for them. So as adults, we went through this, but we oftentimes think, oh, kids don't understand or they don't know the difference or, um, you know, but you think of some of the, our, our young children and they actually don't know a world without a pandemic. Exactly. Like they don't know a world where a cough was just a cough. They don't know a world without masks. And, and that experience. And so I also remember when I was, because as a therapist, we were still seeing kids and families through all of this. And there was a child that I was working with at the time, telehealth, and he kept going to his window and looking outside. And I finally asked him, I'm like, what, it, are, you, what are you looking for? And he said, there's a big re- red germ coming to get us. Oh, wow. His experience, you know, this visual image that was made, sure, yes. right? The, I'm sure you're even thinking of it now, like, right? Exactly. The, it's right here in my brain. Yes. Yep. Right there. Right. Again, that's one of those like reminders that tells us that something happened. But this little person thought that it was just looming outside waiting to capture them. So because they couldn't go outside and play with their neighbors. They couldn't go to the park. They couldn't go to school. So what did he think about the world around him at that point? That literally danger is outside my front door is what it felt like. So we have to think about what it was like for kids and what were the narratives they heard? What were adults talking about? uh, What was the message being heard on the news? And how did they interpret this? And then we have kids who actually lost family members during this time. And loss might be my dad was a doctor and so he lived at the hospital for a while. Or loss might be my grandma died during that time and we couldn't have a funeral or do. And then my parents were sad and I didn't know what happened. And so there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of things out there that kids experience that as adults, we sometimes have to put ourselves in their shoes to think about what it was like for them during that time and what message that they learned about the world through that experience too. It's bringing to mind what we're seeing often in settings these days as well. And hearing a lot from educators out there working with young children, it's the idea of children not having the practice with the social, emotional, back and forth play during those critical early years. And you noted this just a few seconds ago in our conversation about some children don't know a world without masks. You think about a young child who's trying to interpret their social world, having only someone's eyes and the top of their heads to try to interpret what their reaction is, how that's, how do I process that? Is this person mad at me? Their eyes look like they might be. And I know that there's a lot of folks that have, you know, said, oh, kids are, you know, we always hear this, kids are resilient and they're going to be fine and they can, they can switch gears and they can understand all those things. However, the amount of energy that it takes and took and continues to take for them Mm -hmm. to get that key learning in place. What, what can you tell us about that piece, Tracy? Good question. Um, kids are, kids are always learning. And so part of me then wonders like, what did they learn instead of what they normally would have during that time? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Kids don't stop developing just because things have changed. They develop 
possibly something different. Um, a colleague uses the term like they've they've experienced some developmental detours, like sure. they were heading down a road of development, and then COVID kind of put them on a detour where development looked different. Yeah. And thankfully, the research is showing that kids actually got really good at reading half of a face. Yeah, but they also that social piece of it, like. They weren't interacting with as many kids or family members. They weren't going out to try things like kids learn through experience and they didn't get some of those experiences. They got other ones instead. And so also thinking about what did they, you know, what did they experience during that time? Like, were they a family where both parents or if there was both parents that they were working from home and so their parent was there, but not present for them. And so they got more TV time or they had more screen time or more time on their own than we typically would see for that age. And, and how do, do they, do they rely on adults for helping with my regulation? Do they think they have to do that on their own? Like there's lots of questions that I think we're still trying to navigate around the long-term ex- experience of this for kids. Well, and the fact that every child experienced it so differently. I mean, you just those examples that you shared, that is so um, mind-boggling, truly, when you imagine having now in a, we'll say a child care center or a family child care home, and you have all these different children that you're caring for, and each one in your group may have experienced the pandemic in a very unique way. And so mm-hmm. they went on that, I love that term, developmental detour. That's so fitting for this. But what did they put in place of and add to, to really cope? And, and who helped them, who walked them through that? And, um, and then now you come in as this early childhood educator and you're, trying to still structure things in a very similar way that you did before the pandemic, that creates some challenges. Right. Cause kids aren't the same. Yeah. Classrooms are not the same. So we're trying, we're trying to replicate things that used to be and how they worked in the past, but we don't have kids that had the same experiences. Yeah. So we have to think about how do we adjust and change based on what their experiences have been So you said that out loud, Tracy, things are not the same. And thank you for saying that out loud, because I do think, and this is why we had this conversation about, we got to do a podcast about this, because I think we're so hanging on to, oh, we're just going to go back. We're just going to go back to that. And it's not the same. And that, Mm -hmm. so not only are the children experiencing things differently because of how that detour happened but the educators are and the parents, the families, the caregivers are as well. Right. All of us have experienced it. Yeah. Our, our natural human response um, can be sometimes to ignore or pretend like things didn't happen when big things have happened. And so there was this kind of this, like, let's just get back to normal. Like there was a lot of people saying like, we have to get back to normal. And then the, the narrative shifted a little bit to, well, it's a new normal. Right. And that happened, but we didn't actually define what's different now than it was then. And the world is different. Yes. Yes. Our experiences are different. The the perceived threats are different than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and I even think, you know, think of a family who had the big red germ looming outside all the time 
and then someone got it and got sick and they had a mild case and they recovered and everything was fine. And so that child in that family is thinking, not so scary. It was like a bad cold. But others who have not experienced that firsthand, that red germ monster is still looming because the fear is still there of how will someone in my house get it and what will that look like? And for us as adults as well, I think, you know, it's, it's that, I mean, back to that whole unique experiences. So, so how do we start to heal and how do we look at especially group care for young children in a way that kind of gives us all that moment to catch our breath, regroup, and I mean, I think the word is heal and try to move forward. Yeah. Right. Um, to heal wounds, we need to tend to them. Right. Um, we can't we can't wish our wounds away any more than we could wish or ignore a toothache and going away. Right. Like we have to step in and do something about it. And um, so first of all, we have to we have to talk about it. We need to talk with other people about it. Um, it's actually recommended that we actually look back and think about like, what do I remember about that time? How do I remember the pandemic? What was my experience? What was the experience for my children and my family? And holding in mind that that might've been very different than another family's experience. I was working with somebody where dad was working um, on a front in a frontline position. I think he was an EMT or something and mom had a work from home job and their family literally had two different experiences. Dad was frontline. Mom was home with kids and their experience of the pandemic was completely different from each other from and so just talking and understanding that we can we can live through something together and have different experiences from it. So I think adults, you know, taking some time to say, like, what was that time like for me? Um, what were some of the memories during that time? Like almost thinking about if I was to write a story to my grandchildren about what it was like to live through a pandemic what would I want them to know about my experience of it? You know, what were those images that we had? What were some of the, the words that we had during that time? Like the Corona coaster, what was about all the emotional experiences of, of Corona? Um, you know, like some of those pieces, maybe even thinking to yourself, what growth have I had as a result of this experience? How am I stronger now as a result of this um, you know, some people say that they've got, you know, some closer relationships with other family members because they spent more time together, even virtually during the pandemic that they might not have done otherwise. Um, it's sometimes fun to go back and take a look at, at the pictures that you might have on your phone or that you might have saved during that time. I know I actually, in preparing for this, went back and looked and I'm like, oh my goodness, my family and I, we did a lot of puzzles during that time. Um, I don't know. We've we've hardly done a puzzle since, but we did a bunch during that time. And, you know, how did we how did what did life look like during that time? And not just the scary stuff, but also the positive things that came from it and the growth that we've had from it. So that's what we can do as adults. And then the part where how do we help the kids with this? Right. I think that's where it goes back to putting ourselves in the shoes of what it might've been like to be a child or asking a child, do you remember when 
mommy was working from home? Or do you remember when we had the pandemic and we couldn't go do, and asking them what their experience was? Um, in, in early childhood mental health, sometimes we, we talk about organizing experiences for young kids and being able to say things like during that time, there were, we didn't know what was happening with, with this thing called a virus and a virus can make us sick. And so in order to keep us safe, they asked us to stay apart from each other. And then as we learned, as we learned how to treat it, as we learned how to stay safe from it, we started doing things back with people. So we, we heard that there was something dangerous. We did something to stay safe. And now this, now we're safe again. And, you know, just naming some of those things and helping kids make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and being curious about what their experience might be or, or might, might be showing up in their play. Um, do we have masks for the baby dolls in the classroom so that kids can play through some of these things? Do we have, you know, some of those reminders that might be there that we could almost bring out and, and not in a way of scaring kids, but just to let them play through what they experienced. Um, also as a way of not ignoring it or pretending it didn't happen. But remember when we had to wear these, when we were here, that was because of this. And now we don't, unless somebody comes in with a cough, then we might wear them again. Cause nobody wants to be sick, whether it's Corona or COVID or not, we don't want to be sick. <laughs> like, I think the other part, Priscilla, that comes to mind is just keeping in mind that kids haven't had some of these experiences to practice emotional regulation with other adults or with other kids. And so really kind of going back to some play-based experiences and um, letting them have opportunities to get those things that they may not have experienced during the pandemic because of what was happening. They need those reparative opportunities now to play, to experience things, to practice getting to know how to interact with other kids, um, to practice, you know, executive functioning and regulation, emotional regulation, and how to share and take turns, just like we normally do in early childhood. But there might be a little need to be a little extra emphasis because they took the detour and they didn't get the normal route. And so they might be missing some of the things that kids would have gotten in the past. Such a great reminder for that whole curiosity piece that we need to remind ourselves to use daily and reflection as adults in the lives of children to stop Mm -hmm. and watch and see what's happening because their behavior will tell us so much that we can gather. And then from there saying, oh, this might be related to that detour. So let's slow down. Let's extend play a little bit longer, but allow more support from the adults in the room and those types of pieces. And I, I, you know, you mentioned a little bit of, you mentioned some ideas and suggestions and, and, um, as we were talking before we even started recording this, we know that there's more to to discuss related to this topic. There's so much. It's such a an important thing to a topic to think about. So we are going to have a part two um, to this this conversation that really looks at um, what is happening out there for children and what we can provide as far as not a not a how to guide necessarily, but just some nice suggestions that make the guests take the guesswork out of it in a little as much as we can for those folks who are in leadership roles with young children and and caring for young children and families um just empowering folks to to not be overwhelmed by the question marks um because we can be curious and yeah that's great but then when you're curious you want to be able to move from 
curiosity and wondering to how do I do this and what's next? And so we want to help provide some of those tools for you with Tracy's help. Um, and this has been such a useful start to this conversation, Tracy. I thank you so much for taking the time today to be on Inclusion Matters. Um, it's always a treat to talk with you. And as we were talking together too, I'm thinking, hmm, there's more to come than maybe just part two. There might be a part three and beyond. And so as listeners out there, certainly send your suggestions to us about what you would like to know related to this topic of the healing and the processing of that pandemic that still looms. And, you know, as we're going into fall and, and cold and flu season and all of that here in Minnesota, um, we're seeing more evidence of things ramping up again. And so this is really timely. So Tracy Trifles, as always, a wealth of information. Thank you so much for being with me today in this conversation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Right. So if you need more information about any of this or want to just reach out to us at uh, Center for Inclusive Childcare and give us suggestions for future podcast topics, just go to inclusivechildcare.org. Um, and also just look for Tracy. She They do lots of things at the Ellison Center in St. Cloud. They do great lunch and learns. They have trainings that they offer. It's It's just a great opportunity for getting the word out about the importance and the necessity of understanding infant and early childhood mental health. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.